Hello and welcome to the Emmers for Mama podcast. I'm your host, Abby Halberstadt, happy wife, mama to 10, Bible-believing Christian. And on today's episode, we're going to wrap up our series on our grand European adventure. But first, I want to tell you that today's episode is sponsored by Arrows and Applesauce. Kristen has created amazingly engaging hand-drawn printables that help educate your little ones on everything from geography to Bible concepts to early learning like counting and letters and so much more. Most of the products are between three and $8, so completely affordable. Head on over to arrowsandapplesauce.com to check it out. Okay, so we talked about the concept of what it looks like to plan this trip and then have it canceled and then to revisit it and have it go great. And then we talked about in the next episode with Sean kind of what that looked like as far as the breakdown of the logistics of planning for such a big, long trip with so many people and so many variables. And I hope you guys found that episode helpful in the particulars that we shared. And again, you can always be sure to share any questions that you have for me on social media at m.is.4.mama on Instagram or on Facebook, same, M is for Mama. And let me know what else you'd like to know about our travel experiences. But One of the biggest things people have asked me is kind of what are the pros and cons of traveling with children? I want to do it. I think it sounds fun in some ways. I think it sounds really daunting in others. Kind of what would tip me over the edge of being willing to do this? Maybe not to Europe, maybe not to Alaska, maybe not to the Grand Canyon even. But what can you say, Abby, to convince me that I should take my children to the park instead of stay home? Because... The thing is, travel a lot of times is not so very different than daily outings. You may go farther, you may have more things to pack, you may have more logistics to consider, but just getting out of the house with assuming that you have small children or multiple children or children that maybe aren't initially interested to get out of the house with you. Maybe your preteen is starting to drag his feet about doing family outings, or you have a teenager who has a work schedule that you have to consider when you are deciding where to go and what to do, if he's gonna be included or she's gonna be included. You know, things start to get complicated when we have a wide range of ages, especially, and we have to accommodate lots of different factors. But just getting yourself out the door instead of staying home, because I hear from mamas that say all the time, I would love to do more outings with my kids. I would love to go now. Okay. I've never had a mom say that she would love to go to the grocery store with her kids, but I have had moms say that they would love to go to the the grocery store with their kids without being fearful, without dreading it. Now, I think that grocery pickup is (laughs) life-saving. or at the very least, life-changing. And I have really been grateful for that, especially in this particularly busy season of the last three years of our lives. But I think I would have been grateful for it when I only had, quote-unquote, only had two or three kids too. So if you have not jumped on the grocery pickup bandwagon, highly recommend. Not the point of this post, but just a little aside, I'm a huge fan. But if you're here, you know, looking for encouragement on getting out of the house, whether it's just running errands, or a shorter outing uh, to a town two hours away to go to the mall or to something that we do as a family is the closest Costco to us is about an hour and a half away, which is near the Dallas area. And we'll go and we'll do a Costco haul. And then we'll go to a cute little place called the Harbor, which feels like you're not even in East Texas or Texas anymore, because it's kind of a lake with a lighthouse and 
beautiful area to walk and lots of green grass and not that Texas doesn't have those things, but it just feels a little bit different. So it's just a fun place to go and eat some of our Costco food and have a picnic. And so while that's not going to Europe, it still takes a fair bit of planning and a little bit of gumption to take a bunch of kids with you. And I've done it multiple times with all the kids by myself. Sometimes Sean is able to go with us, but not always. So whether it's a trip like that, or whether you really are working yourself up to a multi-day, possibly multi-week trip with a long plane flight, plus some, you know, layovers and maybe a train ride and you know all the things. Whatever the degree to which you are looking for encouragement to travel, I want to start with this. I don't think travel with children is worth it in and of itself. Wait, I'm going to get there just because travel is good, okay? Travel can be good. Travel is fun. It is educational, but I did very little of it growing up. Our family didn't have the means or the job freedom in the case of my dad to do a lot of traveling, even necessarily for road trips, although we did do some. And so we didn't do a lot of traveling, but we lived life together and we had a rich and full life and I had a happy childhood in many ways. But there are aspects to traveling, especially with children, that require a certain kind and level of gumption that other things in life do not. So I do recommend traveling with kids, not necessarily because travel is so great and necessary to have a happy childhood, it's not, but because if you do have the opportunity, you are going to be pushed and grown in ways that are good and you're also going to experience joys that you might not otherwise and that are unique to that experience of being outside your home and going places with your kids and seeing new things and learning new things from afar however afar of that is. Now, I want to talk realistically about some of the kind of highs and lows, pros and cons. I know we did the high-low buffalo, which if you remember is the high being the thing you really enjoyed, the low being the thing that was a bummer for you personally, and the buffalo being the thing that was like, what in the world just happened? And I already shared those in our first episode of the European Adventure series. But I just want to talk today about some logistical hurdles that we faced, some things that we overcame, some things that weren't as hard as we expected them to be, some things that were probably a little harder than we expected them to be, or just about the same as what we were expecting. Because I always encourage people to have as low of expectations as possible without being negative, meaning go in with an understanding of what you're getting into, but not a dream of it being some sort of perfect situation or scenario. And then if something ends up being better than you expected, well then praises be, right? And if something is kind of as hard as you were expecting, then you're like, well, I was prepared for this mentally. I'm, I'm good. I'm not feeling like I've been let down because I was expecting some sort of dream experience and it's, it's just harder and now I feel resentful and I feel bitter that my expectations weren't met. So when I say keep your expectations as low as possible without descending into negativity, I'm not talking about expecting the worst. I'm saying be reasonable. And I feel like we were fairly reasonable with our expectations for Europe. I feel like we had done outings and traveled with our kids enough to know some of the common kind of roadblocks and things to look out for. And yet, there's no way you can prepare for everything. So some of the highs, some of the hardships, we're gonna go over those today and I hope they'll be helpful to you 
practically as you think about trips you might want to take and just even theoretically as you look for encouragement in your daily life to do hard things with kids. I was on a podcast or yeah, I recorded the podcast recently. It won't be released for a couple of weeks, but uh, with Jenny from a thousand hours outside and she was asking me about the Europe trip and she said, basically it's a fleshing out of the title of your book. Hard is not the same thing as bad. Like there's no way that you can go overseas with 10 children 13 people total and not experience some struggles and some hardship and some challenges and some difficulties. And she's not wrong, but of course we don't want to discount the good stuff. So starting out, let's just kind of back way up to the beginning. We talked in our last episode about the logistical hurdles of finding a car that would fit all of us. And we ended up going with two cars instead of one. And we're so glad that we did. We're so glad that the Lord did not provide a vehicle large enough for all of us because it would have been really, really difficult to make that work in some of the cities that we were in and some of the scenarios where you had to go through little bitty tiny spaces. We just literally wouldn't have fit and that would have been frustrating. So sometimes the things that you are, again, your expectations or the desires of your heart, the Lord doesn't give them to you because he knows better, even in very specific things like vehicle choices. But also in packing one of the things that I talked about was not taking too much stuff. And one of the big things that we wanted to make sure that we didn't do was feel like we were having to gather hundreds of items from the four corners of the earth every single time we went to a new place. We also, and we talked about this last time, wanted to make sure that we had a little bit of downtime, that we had some breathing room, especially with toddlers in tow, that they could take naps and we would still have time in this place to get to the highlights of the places that we wanted to see. And I feel like that we did accomplish that most of the time. But let me tell you one very particular thing that I think I was prepared for, but not to the extent that we experienced it. And that was, sure, we packed as, you know, as prudently as we could. Yes, the Lord worked out the vehicle situation where we could split up and still, you know, caravan together. And that actually worked better. We found good places to stay that accommodated all of us. And sometimes that was a little bit dicey with the babies because they're not used to sleeping in the same crib because we have them separated at home because they mess with each other. So they took forever to take a nap or they were having trouble going to bed at night. But really, for the most part, the logistical things met our expectations because we had put a lot of effort into getting them situated or at least as situated as we could in advance. And that is one suggestion that I have for you is not to wing it, especially if you have small children coming with you. You can keep low expectations all you want, but if you have low expectations and no prep, the low expectations are not going to be low enough. It's going to be worse than you expected because things will fall apart when you don't have any preparation invested in them. So I feel like we did our preparation to cover a lot of the logistical things, but the thing that I really don't know that we could have foreseen was how much the change of schedule was going to affect Titus and Toby's kind of equilibrium, emotionally speaking. Now, they were two years, nine months-ish, two years, eight months, something like that, when we started this trip. And if you have heard anything about my story with Evie and Nola, or if you were there when I read the intro to Hard is Not the Same Thing as Bad, then you know that two years and eight months was the age at which both Evie and Nola kind of lost it. <laughs> and it stayed lost for a good year and a half. 
And so while I had not been dreading that age with Titus and Toby, you gotta know it was in the back of my mind that we were leaving for Europe when they were the same age when Evie and Nola started to really struggle with their emotions and with self-control and with wanting to do things more but not being able to do things more. And so we did see some of that kind of start to come into play as we were in Europe, as we had given them a, what, six-hour time difference when we landed, and then we bumped it, I believe, to seven hours by the time we went to Paris. Their nap schedules were off. Their sleeping schedules were off. You could tell they just felt discombobulated and cranky. And I would say that they stayed kind of in a slightly frazzled and frustrated state as far as being able to stay happy without a lot of coaxing for a good three to four weeks out of our entire trip. And you may be thinking, well, you know, what were you doing? Taking toddlers with you. That doesn't seem very kind to their little, you know, spirits and their ability to adjust. But honestly, it wasn't so much that they couldn't be happy. It was they struggled to be happy unless they had someone really kind of helping them be happy holding them, carrying them. We, we did a lot of kind of backpacking them around in baby carriers, um, baby carriers, toddler carriers, playing with them, actively feeding them like spoon. They know how to feed themselves. Of course, they're almost three years old, but they kind of reverted back to a more babyish reliance on entertainment and soothing. And all of that honestly makes sense, but you just kind of can't know the extent to which you're going to experience it. And so Having the expectation that it was going to be hard to travel with toddlers is different than knowing that the hard is going to look like kind of a constant bouncing and distracting and cheering up and misdirecting and all of that stuff. Now, I do not regret for one moment that we took Titus and Toby with us. They were a source of great joy, but I'm just being honest with you that they were also a source of um, frustration, full on frustration some days, because sometimes you just want them to be happy. You just want it to be that you can set them down with toys in a new area and give them a fun snack and some juice. And they will not chase you across the kitchen and hold on to your skirt while you try to make dinner. Now, does that happen to me at home as well? Sure. But like I said, it was just kind of notched up a little bit. And of course, when you take a child from his environment or her environment and put them in a new place and then you move them three or four days later and then they've got to adjust and it might take them three days to adjust and then you're moving a day later, it's understandable. So some days it was a source of frustration. Some days it was just a source of feeling like your brain was turned constantly on, like you were always kind of trying to figure out a new way to distract or make them happy. But here's why I don't think, other than... We wanted them with us and we were happy to have them. Here's why I don't think this is a bad thing. We ended up working together really well as a family to all acknowledge that we call them the babies because there are babies or the twin bees, that the twin bees just needed extra love and extra help on this trip. And it was very sweet. This happens at home as well, but it was really sweet to see everybody chip in to cheer them up to see people offering to carry them for a while when someone who had been carrying them for a long time was tired, to see that camaraderie and that teamwork that's built when you all have a common goal, keeping Titus and Toby, you know, happy or, or accepting of the situation or able to deal with it. And so ultimately, because we all worked together, we ended up able to do just about everything that we wanted to do within reason 
even with the Twimbies with us, because we understood that we, again, that reasonable expectation of we might not be able to do the guided tour because the Twimbies were going to need too much and Shiloh too, he's four. He did really well, but he's not able to listen attentively to an adult tour guide give complicated history of the Tower of London. So I guess that would be the next thing in kind of telling you how expectations can affect your experience. We had the expectation that it was going to be hard with toddlers. We also had the expectation that we weren't going to get the full grown-up experience or even older kid experience while we were there on this trip. Now, this may be the only trip that we ever get to do this as a family, and the experience that we had was so awesome, and I do not have any regrets about who we took with us and how we did it. But part of that was because we knew that traveling with this range of age of kids, we needed to understand that the way we approached outings, whether it was going to the Eiffel Tower or the Tower of London or Versailles or, you know, whether it was going shopping for dirndls in Garmisch-Bartenkirchen or going on a hot air balloon ride, which the younger kids couldn't go on, that we were going to have to plan for logistics and we were going to have to have a reasonable mindset. So I gave you the example of the Tower of London. I would have loved to have seen more of it. I would have loved to have done a guided tour with the Beefeaters. I would have loved to have done a little bit more of browsing and looking at the interesting historical artifacts. But that just didn't happen because Titus and Toby needed to get ice cream. <laughs> Literally, it was such a hot day and we needed something cold to cheer us up. And so we might have spent 25 minutes getting ice cream that we might have otherwise spent looking at the crown jewels, which we did get to see, but that's okay. I understood that I was not at the Tower of London to get the Abby's preferred experience. I understood instead that I was there to do it together with my family and in a way that was helpful and kind to all of us and that I could enjoy as well. And I did because I like ice cream too. So that's another kind of comment that I would make on expectations. So if Titus and Toby were harder or at least as hard as we expected in the aspects of toddlerdom that are just kind of common to all toddlers and maybe a tick or two more emotionally frazzled than we were expecting or maybe attached or needy or I'm trying to think of the right word. It's not a negative word. It's just, it's just how they felt at the time that they needed a lot of comfort. Maybe that was a little bit higher. It was also just as fun as I expected because having good expectations or positive expectations is smart too to see them experience things. We went to the Leaning Tower of Pisa one day. So I'll give you an example of something that far exceeded our expectations. We talked in the last episode about Assisi and how that is a Tuscan mountainside or hillside walled village that blew our expectations away because we practically had none. We just knew that it existed and didn't really know much about it. And it was so fun and I highly recommend but we got a lot of people telling us not to go to the Leaning Tower of Pisa because it was basically a tourist trap and that we should have gone to, oh, there was another place that they told us to go instead that was kind of the counterpart to the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Maybe it'll come to me. Uh, I say the Leaning Tower of Pisa, but Pisa is the actual town. And the other town was a similar one. It did not have the tourist attraction of the Leaning Tower. And I, it's just not coming to me. I might put it in the show notes if I remember the name of the town that I'm thinking of. And I literally had people DMing me, bad choice. Like, <laughs> you should have gone to the other place. It would have been more enjoyable. But here's, 
here's what I want to emphasize for you. Sometimes the things that you don't have a clue will be the most enjoyable end up being the core memories. So Pisa has, for example, this is a good example of a memory that I was not expecting to have, but I'm so glad that I do. Pisa has these wide lawns that go on forever. And yes, there were tourists there, but we went pretty early, so it wasn't very crowded. And it has kind of a cathedral. It has the Leaning Tower of Pisa. There are some other buildings around. And the cathedrals give you a lot of shade and have these stone steps with this ramp. And so I just distinctly remember that afternoon that the kids played tag on this smooth, wide lawn. The weather was gorgeous. The sun was shining. It was cool and crisp. We had the shade if we got hot. We took a picnic there, which is something we did a lot. We took any chance we could to eat outside. And we spread everything out for a picnic in the shade. The kids were playing tag and the babies, the twin babies, ran up this stone ramp and then down the steps over and over again, just giggling at the top of their lungs. I remember there was a breeze blowing, it was ruffling their curls. And I have some of the best pictures of their running up this ramp with their mouths wide open, their cute little baby teeth gleaming and their curls blowing in the wind. And they're just so happy to be there. And I think you can't really, as much as you can't kind of anticipate how hard some of those really frazzled moments will be, you can you can think, how oh, I'm going to emotionally prepare as much as I can, but you can't for sure know how you're going to be, how much sleep you'll have had, how much the time change will have affected you, all of those things. You also cannot plan for how much joy there are in those simple, just peaceful moments that you had no idea you were going to get to to experience. So that was, that was one good example. Another perfect example of this, and apparently stones and steps are our things, was a trip to Marseille that we weren't even for sure that we were going to take because of rain. We were going to go to Nice instead. And, and because of rain, we went to Marseille and we weren't necessarily expecting much and um, didn't have a lot of research that we'd done about this particular place. So we walked around the city. It's completely different than Paris. So we're just kind of soaking in the different cultures, the different ways that they dress, the ways that the buildings look different because it's a, it's a seaside town and the, all the boats in the harbor. But at the end of our time there, we were going to get ice cream because that was the theme. That was the thing that the Twimbies looked forward to the most. They said, oh my God, sweet, I want chocolate. And we were going to get ice cream at this place that we had looked up. Because of course, with the internet, you can look up, you know, the best ice cream with Yelp. So we'd found the highest rated ice cream in the area, walked to it, but there was a big long line and it was kind of warm. And so right beside the line to the ice cream, there were these steps with these smooth stone slanted areas that looked kind of like slides. And it turns out that they are bike ramps that you can get off and walk your bike down so you don't have to kind of bump down the steps. And we spent probably at least an hour, if not an hour and a half, sliding down those bike ramps on our rears. And the older kids would catch the twin bees and swing them up and take them back. And they'd run back up the stairs. And then the older kids got into it and were racing each other down. And again, it was one of those core memories. I don't think I'll ever forget the excitement and joy and contentment and just glee that my children experienced doing something that was completely free. Wasn't even technically intended for that use, I'm, although I'm sure we're not the first people that have slid down the bike ramps. In fact, I know we aren't because people have literally messaged me when they saw our videos of us doing this on Instagram and told me 
We've been to that same place. We have slid down those same bike ramps. We enjoyed it just as much as you seem to. So just a moment of just sweet memory and fun with the kids that I think they will remember as well. Remember that time that we slid down the bike ramps, even if they don't know, slid down the stone slides and that was so much fun and then we got ice cream. A couple of other examples that I would say are were high points for all of us and exceeded our expectations, or at least they seemed to exceed mine. The kids seemed like they were happy. You never know exactly what's what's sticking in their minds, but based on their reactions, we went to, we actually stayed when we went to the Cinque Terre in a place called Levanto, which is north of the Cinque Terre. I think I've already told you guys this. It could actually be the, you know, the sixth in Italian. The word is sei. I don't actually know the word for sixth, but the word six is sei. And it could be the sixth Cinque Terre because it's just a little bit north and it's very similar to the feel of the rest of the towns. It's just not quite as touristy. Well, there are little beaches that you can go to in the Cinque Terre, especially in Verdazza. But we chose not to go to Vernazza because it's a little bit more crowded. And instead, we went north again to a place called Buonasola. And the locals had said, this is where you should go if you want to enjoy the water but not be overrun by tourists. Well, the beaches in that area are not sand so much as kind of this black, silty rock. And the water is cold. It was in May, so it wasn't freezing, but it was not warm yet. And so we went down there and we actually walked all the way from our rental through these paths. There's all these fragrant flowers hanging down over the path and there's quaint little houses on each side. It's just such a picturesque walk on this beautiful day. And we all go tramping for, I think it was, it was at least a mile, mile and a half maybe, to this beach. And then the kids run in and out of the water and the twin bees... <laughs> This was a moment where instead of doing that thing where they cling like little koala bears to you the whole time, they found something to entertain themselves. And y'all, if it had not been so entertaining to them, given them so much joy and kept them so occupied, it would have been a pass for me, dog. Because they ended up sitting for, I don't even know how long, 45 minutes, an hour, I don't know, taking handfuls of this silty black kind of pebbly beach substance and dumping it on each other's heads over and over again. It was right by the little faucets, the beach showers, so we could clean them off pretty easily, but that stuff like gets down in your hair. And we have the funniest pictures where they're just grinning their little faces off as they dump this nasty stuff on each other's heads over and over again. And did I love it from a, oh goodness gracious, it's gonna take forever to clean them off, mom perspective, no. But I did love it from a, my children are happy and I get to sit here and just smile at them and enjoy something cold and gaze out at the waves and the blue sky and the beautiful Italian Mediterranean like seaside landscape. And it was just another moment of, I'm always, I think I'm always happiest when it's just a moment of sitting and enjoying. I don't mind tramping around for miles at a time. I enjoy being in cities. I enjoy being in countryside. I enjoy seeing touristy things. I enjoy seeing things that are way off the beaten path that nobody knows about. I just like experiencing new things, but I am the most content when my kids are happy and playing and I can either join them in that play or just kind of 
happily observe them. So that was another one of those days where nothing very fancy was happening. We weren't anywhere famous. We weren't learning anything terribly hoity-toity or historical, but we were just enjoying being. So I would encourage you to look for those moments or be, be willing to let those moments ride when they happen. Because I think in several of those cases, we could have said, okay, we're done with Pisa. We saw the Leaning Tower. Let's move on. Let's go do something to check an item off our list. Or, you know, this beach is dirty and silty and let's go home and, and get clean and, and go see something that's quote unquote more worthwhile or whatever. But you don't want to despise those moments that are just truly gifts of peace and tranquility in the middle of the rest of the busyness. So I would either encourage you to intentionally build in those moments of downtime or try to have some flexibility in your schedule as you travel or as you do outings with your kids to recognize when a moment of quote unquote magic is happening and slow down and take the time to be present in it and enjoy it. I know that sounds cheesy, but it is so important. And I know this because I for sure have blown past moments that should have been magical and a gift from the Lord and something that I really banked in my core memory log and instead I was too task focused to really enjoy them. A couple of other highs that I want to highlight and something that I think that I would recommend to anyone who had the ability and I know not everyone does, but I think that there are creative ways of accomplishing this. But we did take someone with us. She is one of my virtual assistants. And she also was excited to come with us and help with the younger kids if we were going on an outing with the older kids. Or just be an extra set of helping hands when we were jumping on the subway with 13 people and a stroller and backpacks and all the things. And she was such a huge help to us. But I know people that would happily go for the cost of a ticket. And we actually did pay her for her time, paid for her travel, paid for her meals, her room and lodge, all of those things as her full payment package for coming with us and being invested with our family for 45 days. But I think that you could potentially end up with situations where your parents would like to go along for the cost of a ticket or the cost of gas, or would even be, we travel fairly often with my family and my brother and sister-in-law and their four children, and we share lodging. And I think there's just something really cool about traveling with family or a close friend that can help you out and you can even swap babysitting. There are all kinds of creative ways to do this. It's not just necessarily finding someone that you can hire to go with you, but some of the highs of our trip were definitely the fact that we were able to, once the small children were in bed, go and do fun things. There were some outings during the day that we did when kids were down for naps or when Rachel was there with the younger kids. But sometimes it was the simple things like when we were in London during our last week in Europe, we snuck away probably, I say snuck, you know, I mean, it, no one was confused that we were leaving, but we got out of the house probably three different nights to go to this little corner pub at the end of our street and it was called the water rats and we would sit there i think it was three different combinations of kids the times that we went one time it was the older boys one time it was the older boys and della and twins the older twins and i feel like another time it was theo and i don't even remember what the different combos were but we, the little kids were in bed, Rachel was there, so we had an adult there with them. And then we went to this little pub and they had sparkling lemonade that the kids absolutely loved. And that's where we took the time to sit and talk about our high-low buffaloes 
as a family and as individuals. And it was fun to see the things that had stuck in their minds and to see the things that had been important to them, which might not have been the same as mine, but I really enjoyed knowing what had stood out to them and been a source of joy. It was fun to see the things that they hadn't enjoyed that were fine with me because we're just, we're just unique individuals, right? Something that's fun for us may not be for someone else. Something that's really bothersome to them may not have made an impact on us at all. So we just chatted a ton. They had this really yummy dessert called lemon posset, which is, it comes in this glass kind of jar and it's the super smooth and creamy custard essentially, but it was lemon flavored. And we even went back a second night for more lemon posset because, you know, I've never had this exact dessert in the U.S. and when else are you going to get it again? And the older kids just really enjoyed that time as well. And we had several other sweet instances of being able to go out at night because we had someone, because we had an adult back at the rental and little kids were in bed to go do fun things late at night and to just kind of love on our older kids in a way that we wouldn't have been able to do without someone there with us. Now, it still would have been a great experience, but I just wanted to mention those as a high and as something that we really wanted to factor into our trip and that we considered valuable and that looking back, we think we're totally worth it and would do again if we could. A couple of other lows or I don't know that, that but hard things to be aware of. And I've talked about this a little bit, but our kids really let us know that they did not like public transportation and that it was a source of stress to them. Now, to some extent, you can't necessarily avoid that. If you're in a city and you're not driving, which that would have been stressful too, you have to get on a bus or you have to get on a metro. And I think a lot of it had to do with how many of us there were and getting us all on and making sure that we didn't get separated. There was one time that we did get separated and the door literally closed on Sean and he tried to wrench it back open again while holding on to Titus. And instead he and Titus and I all got left on the platform. Thankfully, our oldest had his cell phone with him and we could call him and say, just get off at the next stop. And that's what happened. And we got reunited quickly and it didn't end up being a big deal, but I think that kind of traumatized them because that was in the first week that was in Paris. And it was something that I think we had discussed the possibility of and um, we're hoping that it wouldn't happen. And then when it did, it was kind of, yikes, this metro is scary. So we made it, but public transportation is just something that you really have to have an expectation of not going maybe like you want it to. A lot of times, especially in the Paris metro, we would have our tickets not work. The turnstiles wouldn't let the strollers through. It was just a bit of a hassle, but... We made it through, you know, it was hard, but it got us where we needed to go. Hard is not the same thing as bad. So, so public transportation was kind of unexpectedly hard for the kids. It seemed about like what I thought it was going to be to me, but when you're mentally prepared to grit your teeth and get through it versus, oh, I, I will say this, my kids had only been, they'd never been on a Metro. I don't think any of them had. And some of them had been on buses before, but the buses were fun experiences. So I think maybe we had not actually prepared them well for the realities of public transport. Another thing that's, that's hard and could be harder, depending on how you hit it and the time of year that you're going, is if you're traveling with small children or a large group or a combination of small children and a large group, it's going to be harder to go to the more well-known places like the Eiffel Tower or St. Peter's Basilica 
or places like Versailles and not wait in line for a long time. So researching advanced tickets or knowing in the case of having small children that quite a few places in Europe will actually give you preference for having small children is a good thing to know. We weren't aware of that until we went to the Louvre and we were there in line and it was snaking on forever and the twin bees were about to lose their minds and we were thinking that we would have to abandon this. Now we got there fairly early in the day. Our goal was to get there probably about 45 minutes earlier than we did, but we were still there within a reasonable time of the window that it was opening and the line was already really long. And a man came up to me when he saw me kind of wrestling with Toby who wanted to get down and run and jump in the fountain, which was not gonna work. And I had a stroller with me and he gestured for me to follow him and I he didn't speak any English, but I was letting him know via hand signals that it wasn't just Toby and I, it was actually Toby and these other 11 people and I. And so he gestured everyone over very quickly. It's kind of like, let's go, let's go. And he brought our whole family and took us ahead of the entire line and let us in. And if you're not aware of this policy, you may be thinking, no fair, Abby, you know, that's preferential treatment. But the fact of the matter is that quite a few public places like that actually have a policy of giving preferential treatment to families with small children because they understand that it's frustrating to stand in line. And I think also because they understand that it's not just frustrating for the families of the small children to stand in line, but it's frustrating for the people around them who are having to be jostled or listen to the meltdowns or whatever. Now the babies weren't melting down and they really weren't being quote unquote bad, but they were starting to get quite restless and we probably had at least an hour or more in line to wait. So I was really grateful for that. And that may be a tip that holds you in good stead. We also had this experience at St. Peter's Basilica. We were standing in line and there was a guide that came up and was kind of trying to sell us a package for a different entry point and a guided tour. And we were saying no thank you because it wasn't, it was gonna be very expensive and it wasn't going to help our family particularly. I don't think it got us in much more quickly. And then she kind of registered how many small children were in this group and she said, hang on, let me, let me ask a question real quick. And she ended up taking us in a side entrance and letting us go to the stroller check and get everybody checked in and then go in ahead of the line that didn't have small children and again, Part of me and my American self is like, no, you're supposed to wait in line, but that was their actual policy and we didn't ask for that policy in either case. So just a heads up on that. I'm gonna end on a personal high for me and it may not be applicable to everybody who travels and it wasn't my high of the entire trip. I don't think I even mentioned it in the high-low buffalo that I shared in our first episode, but it was still a really sweet moment for me like I said, personally. And that was that we have a tradition in our family that the Saturday night before, or possibly afternoon as well, before Mother's Day, my family sends me off to do whatever it is that I want to do from about four o'clock on until whenever I come back. And I don't remember when the tradition originated, but it was back when I only had small children and it felt like a Herculean effort to ever leave the house without several of them, if not all of them, with me. And so Sean acknowledged that kind of effort by saying, you know what, this night of the year, there's nobody going with you. There's no expectations on your time. There's no time limit. I mean, unless I had a nursing baby with me, which every other year was true, but that was fine. You just go and you enjoy yourself and whatever it is you want to do, we are good here. And not only were they quote good here, they developed a tradition of making these homemade eclairs 
filled with they've they've branched out and and made all kinds of different custom fillings with raspberry and caramel and, and orange infused and all this fun stuff but it's become this tradition that the kids plus Sean go shopping for ingredients and then make these eclairs while I'm out having a night off and the funny thing is a lot of times my night off consists of doing returns or other things that aren't very fun to do when you have kids with you. But, you know, as a mom, if you're a mom listening, you know that that is still a night off and it's awesome. So Mother's Day was, I think, two Sundays after we got there. We got there on Tuesday and then there was a Sunday and then the following Sunday was going to be Mother's Day. And I asked Sean when we were still in Paris if my Mother's Day kind of afternoon slash evening off could happen while we were in Paris because that Saturday when it normally would have been was going to be in the French countryside and there wouldn't have been as many things to walk around and see and do. And he said, yeah, sure. And so we were in the middle of Paris on the Champs-Élysées and that was actually the time when they got separated on the metro because I was staying back and Sean was giving, like we were talking about what we would do and how we would coordinate. And then he tried to jump on the metro because the doors started to close sooner than he expected. And yes, we were aware the doors closed quickly. He wasn't just lollygagging, but they really closed quickly this time. And that was the time that he got separated and then they reunited on the next stop. So I stayed in town and I walked the Champs-Élysées and I window shopped and then I actually found this shop that we don't have in the U.S. called Monoprix and it's just kind of a department store with cute clothes and cute jewelry and I hadn't been shopping by myself in an actual store in I don't know how many months. It was quite the treat and they had someone playing actually a rotating group of someone's I can't remember how many different pianists came in and played live piano and they were really good so there's just this lovely live piano music just flowing throughout this department store and I browsed at my leisure for probably an hour and then walked up and down the Champs-Élysées got myself some dinner and sat and people watched for another hour probably no deadlines no expectations of cleaning up any crumbs. And I remember that it rained just a little bit, not enough to be obnoxious, just enough to kind of clean the streets and give everything that rainwashed look. And it was one of those moments, again, core memory type moments of just feeling completely at peace with myself and so thankful for my family letting me do this and supporting me in this. And so while on most trips when we are with our families, there aren't a lot of opportunities to take time for ourselves and that's not the focus. And we are called, of course, in scripture to live self-sacrificially and be generous with our time and our energy to others. Of course, first and foremost, to the people that the Lord has placed in our path each and every day, which is our family. It was such a sweet gesture, such a sweet memory to just kind of be like, I am sitting in the middle of Paris and... This sandwich tastes better for the view. The, you know, treat that I got afterwards tasted sweeter. And it's funny because I was telling Sean, I don't remember the name of the little shop that I got the sandwich and the treat from. It was a little white chocolate tart. But it wasn't a fancy shop. In fact, I think it was Parisian fast food. And that tart was one of the yummiest things I ate on this entire trip. And while I think it was genuinely yummy because even fast food pastries in Paris are good, I think that just moment of deep breath in and out 
and gratitude made it taste better. So if you have an opportunity and it's not going to be a stress on your family and you are on a trip with a lot of kids and you're pouring yourself out for them and you get a moment to yourself, I just encourage you to be really grateful for it and to enjoy the tar out of it for what it is, even if you don't get another moment like that for the rest of the trip. Because I, I don't think I'll ever forget that feeling of swinging my feet, sitting on a bench, eating that sandwich, people watching in the middle of Paris. It was just really cool. Okay, so I realize that's kind of a jumble of suggestions, memories, highs, lows, hard things, things that were about what I expected. But I hope that they are an encouragement to you that having everything mapped out as much as possible is great, but there are always going to be unexpected things, both hard and good. And they're always going to be curveballs. There were a lot more curveballs than the ones that I've told you about, certainly. And there are always going to be opportunities to complain and to feel like things are not living up to your expectations and they're too hard to continue and this was not worth doing. But you can also always turn it around and say, what a gift it was to get to do this hard thing with my family. I don't want to take this for granted. I don't want to assume that I will ever get this opportunity again, whether it's a trip to Paris or a trip to Costco and then to a grassy knoll by a body of water to eat your rotisserie chicken and your croissants that you just bought at the grocery store. I know I threatened that our series would be wrapped up last week, but I really do think that that is the end of our Grand European Adventure series. I hope you guys have enjoyed getting a glimpse into the things that we enjoyed and the things that challenged us. And just in case you were wondering if we would ever do it again, I think the answer for all of us would be in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm.